Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. What's up, everybody? Welcome in, and I've got some not sad news for you, but a sad realization for you. Uh, we have one college football game left. That's it. One more. That is all that's left uh, after the Texas Bowl last night, where LSU got smoked because they had like 38 scholarship players. I still thought for some reason they were going to win the game. I really did. Uh, I thought that they were going to win the game, and uh, obviously, what the hell do I know? But. They uh, they played the second-to-last college football game last night. And credit to LSU, because they very easily could have pulled the Texas A&M. They very easily could have pulled a Texas A&M and said because of COVID, and then buried down in the article a few uh, paragraphs, plus opt-outs and transfers. We can't play. They could have done that. They could have been Texas A&M and backed out of a game because they were afraid to lose it or whatever uh, excuse is real inside of the Aggies locker room, who, by the way, just signed the best recruiting class in the history of the sport, the highest rated recruiting class in the history of the sport, and those guys are still going to lose three games every year. But anyway, LSU and Kansas State played the final game last night. Shout out to the Tigers, though. I mean, 38 scholarship players, walk-on quarterback, playing in the game. Got to give them credit. Uh, you know, it's not not bad to see LSU lose. Don't get me wrong. You guys know me. I like to make fun of them often. Or not make fun of them, really, because they, they win a lot. It more just like poke fun at the circumstances. Like Will Wade still coaching at LSU has a ranked team and beat Kentucky last night. So, you know, joke's on me, right? But shout out to them for actually playing the game. But second to last college football game of the year. So there's one more, and that's the question today. Are you excited about it? Are you excited about the national championship? Is that drawing you in? Is Alabama-Georgia round two bringing you in? Do you have to watch this game on Monday night, or are you like me where you're going to watch it because it is the national championship, but there's nothing about it that really gets you juiced up and excited for it? That's what we're going to talk about today. We had the ratings come out for the semifinals. Those are not good. Um, and also, everybody's looking for a solution to this. I, I think the solution's rather simple, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. But first, my name is Michael Borky. Glad to see you guys on this. Is it Wednesday? On this Wednesday. going to be a nicer day. We've had cold come through. But, hey, you can spend a little time outside today. That's what I plan on doing. I plan on actually like going outside just to exist outside for a little while and uh, take in some sun. But glad to see you guys. If you're on Twitter, remember, you can't comment. So hop on over to YouTube. Find me on YouTube, Michael Borky. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also uh, follow me on Facebook, like the Facebook page or Twitter and wherever you get your podcast, Mike in the Morning, or my name should turn up results. Subscribe there and let's get started. Zach gets us started today. Says yes, but only because despite you saying it's a better product, the Steelers game on Monday was one of the most boring sporting events I've ever watched and I need one last dose of college football. 
yeah, that was a terrible football game. Really bad quarterback play. But you did get the um, the send-off of Ben Roethlisberger. So, you know, you suffered through the misery of that for, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a Hollywood ending or whatever you want to call it, but you did get to see a quarterback wave to all of his fans and walk up the tunnel with his family. And that final photograph of Ben Roethlisberger leaving Heinz Field in Pittsburgh and stuff like that. So at least you got that, I guess. Um, and everybody's ripping on Baker Mayfield, rightfully so, mind you. I mean, it's the NFL after all, and my gosh, he's playing terrible. But don't forget, Baker Mayfield's the guy that led Cleveland to a playoff spot. That happened. That will forever be Baker Mayfield. I know he's t- he's had an awful year. He's been really injured, all that. I don't think Cleveland should give him any kind of a fat contract. If they offer him anything, it better be a very team-friendly deal, like big-time team-friendly deal. And if not, you let him walk because nobody else will pick him up. Uh, but he did lead the Cleveland Browns to the playoff. I know that roster is actually pretty good. I know Kevin Stefanski's a pretty good coach, and they're actually figuring stuff out there. But it's still the Cleveland Browns, and he led them to the playoff. That was Baker Mayfield. That will always be Baker Mayfield, and he deserves credit for that. But, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a, a tough watch. In fact, I didn't make it to the end because it was that brutal. But, anyway, Patrick says, now it looks like Kevin Smith is headed to Miami. I don't think that's inevitable, but they're definitely looking at him. I imagine that hurts their chances with Zach Evans. Ole Miss can't catch a break. It's been nothing but bad news after the state game. It it has, but it it depends on how you want to spin it, right? I'm actually going to podcast about this later. Um, and there's there's an optimistic perspective, there's a pessimistic perspective, and there's a I think you know the truth tends to lie somewhere in the middle. If you're an optimist, the old Miss offseason since the Egg Bowl has been what happens to teams that have historically good seasons. I mean, look at what happens to Nick Saban every year. He loses offensive coordinators. He loses defensive coordinators. He loses staff members. He loses players to the NFL. But it, because he's Nick Saban, it just keeps on rolling, and it's no problem. Uh, Dabo Sweeney's going through it right now. He, he's lost his athletic director for good measure. His offensive coordinator, his defensive coordinator, he's losing staff members as <clears throat> Excuse me. He's losing staff members as well. So this kind of phenomenon does happen, especially when, and Ole Miss fans don't like this, especially when you're not an upper-tier job. Because if slash when DJ Durkin takes the Texas A&M job, people are going to try to tell me that that's a lateral move. And it's not. I'm sorry, it's not. Texas A&M is a better job than Ole Miss. You can argue that they're soft. I do it every day. You can argue that they're underachievers. I I do that every single day. I make fun of Texas A&M for being soft and underachievers because that's what they are, and their leadership is very bad, uh, just falling upwards. But it is a great job, and they just signed the best recruiting class in the history of recruiting. Like That's what Texas A&M is doing right now. They got a commitment from another five-star the other day cementing themselves as the best class in the 24-7 sports era or something like that. It's a better job than Ole Miss. They can pay more and they have better players. That's just the reality of the situation. When people are so mad that Lane Kiffin was trying to get in the door at LSU, well, LSU is a better job than Ole Miss. It is. It, It is. Wilson Love leaves for Oregon. Well, the strength and conditioning coach at Oregon is a better job than the strength and conditioning coach at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is 
putting hundreds of millions of dollars into football, but they're putting it into football now, and that's going to take years to get there. Ole Miss is not there yet. Jeff Levy leaves for his alma mater and full autonomy, which he didn't have at Ole Miss. Oklahoma is a better job. It's that kind of stuff bothers fans to hear, but it's the truth. These Texas A&M, if DJ Durkin does in fact take the job, and some people think that's going to happen today, it's not a lateral move. It's not. I'm sorry. It, it's a coordinator job in your division, and I know that's a tough pill to swallow, but the D.C. job at Texas A&M is a better job than the D.C. job at Ole Miss right now. I'm sorry. It's inarguable. So you can look at it from that perspective and say, yeah, you know, historical season, people are going to come after your guys. They're getting upgrades in in job, and that's the truth. They are. They are getting upgrades in job. You, you and that's a, an optimistic way to look at it. And then you can say, because this is objectively true, that Lane Kiffin so far in his short time at Ole Miss has done an exceptional job at hiring coaches. Staff, putting together a staff has been a really good um, uh, arrow in the quiver of Lane Kiffin, if I'm using that correctly. I'm not a, not a bow and arrow shooting guy, but I think that's what it is, right? That's a quiver that you put over your shoulder, arrow in the quiver. Anyway, um, that's something he's done objectively great at. So he loses Wilson Love and he replaces him with Nick Savage. What the hell of a hire. I mean, if you're upset still about losing Wilson Love, well, well, look into who you just hired and you won't be upset anymore. Um, I know there's been some hand-wringing about Charlie Weiss Jr., but the last time Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss Jr. worked together as head coach OC, almost had the number 14 scoring offense in all of college football at FAU. Um, so clearly there's some familiarity and some good rapport there. Um, I just, you know, that's an optimistic way to look at it. A pessimistic way to look at it is everybody's jumping ship. Everybody's leaving because they got to get out right now. And Lane Kiffin flirting with other jobs ruined his recruiting and ruined his relationship with his staff and all that. And, and you can be that guy. And I understand why some people are being that guy, but that's not rooted in reality either i think the truth lies somewhere in the middle i do believe that the flirting if you will with other programs did to some degree do some damage to Ole Miss in recruiting i do believe also that some of these assistants that are leaving are taking better jobs and that's what happens when you have historically good seasons like Ole Miss just did other people want your coaches that made that happen i mean did you see what dj durkin's defense did to jimbo fisher's offense in oxford a few weeks ago did you see that well, no wonder Jimbo wants to hire him with his unlimited pocketbook in his number one recruiting class. I would. So that's going to happen. I think all of those things, there's some truth in all of it, and the reality is somewhere in the middle. You lose assistance when you have good seasons. Um, and also, there is some negative momentum, and that's real. I think both of those things can be true at once. I really do. Um, it's a... It's a very interesting offseason for Lane Kiffin. I have a feeling he's been humbled, or should have been humbled a little bit. I think he should have been humbled a little bit uh, with his lack of interest from other schools. Well, there's, I mean, you had great jobs come open in this cycle. None of them wanted him. I mean, Miami would have if Cristobal said no, I guess. But LSU didn't want him. Florida didn't want him. Oklahoma didn't want him. USC didn't want him. Let, let's be honest about it. Um. Let's just be honest about it. They didn't. So that should be a wake-up call. You you need to – he needs to prove that he can stick around a program and build something sustainable. 
And he's going to have to prove it now. I mean, this is a big test for a coach. Ed Orgeron failed that test after he had a historically good season at LSU. He lost his assistants and replaced them with worse ones, and then he got fired. Dabo Sweeney has somehow, although he's replaced some offensive coordinators, uh, been able to keep a staff together. This is his biggest challenge of his coaching career. Nick Saban turns staff over every year, all the time, every year, turning staff over, turning staff over, turning staff over, and keeps on plugging. What is Lane Kiffin going to be? Is he going to be at Orgeron, or is he going to be Nick Saban, or obviously it's going to be somewhere in the middle because I don't think Lane Kiffin's the greatest college football coach of all time, and I don't think he's going to fail like at Orgeron. But th- this is what happens when you have good seasons and stuff like that, so. Chase says, people still have unrealistic expectations for places like State and Ole Miss. It's a seven-win job at the top ceiling. When a team or two is down, it's eight, nine with once every 15 years quarterback, 10 with a good bounce. Six, when you make a couple bad plays, five with injuries. If people keep that perspective, it can be a fun next few years in Oxford. People lose sight of that at State with Mullen. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think, Chase, you'd be surprised at some of the – how some of the fan base feels uh, with Ole Miss in the current state of the program. I, I mean, it's pretty shocking how negative everybody's being. You just won 10 games. You, you've beaten Mississippi State twice under Lane Kiffin. Um, yeah, when you lose a first-round quarterback, you sh- I mean, I, I guess people are, are worried that they're not going to win 10 games next year, but uh, when has that ever been a realistic? I mean, how is that possible? considering what you're losing at the most important position on the field. I mean, Sam Williams is gone. So I, I would say it's more likely than not that Chance Campbell doesn't return. I don't think Mark Robinson's going to win his waiver. Uh, <laughs> you're going to lose some guys, and the team's going to have a drop-off. But that's what you should have always expected. I, I don't know. I, the, some of the reaction from the fan base is mind-blowing. Has it been a perfect offseason so far for Kiffin? No, obviously not. But of course not. You don't like to lose staff members, especially good ones. I mean, DJ Durkin did an objectively phenomenal job with that defense, a fantastic job with that defense. And if you lose him, that sucks. It's a, that's a tough loss. Do you think DJ Durkin was going to stay at Ole Miss forever? Do you think Jeff Levy was going to stay just stay at Ole Miss forever? No. The mark of a good coach is what they do when their staff members leave. And we'll see if Lane Kiffin is is a brilliant offensive mind or a good program-leading football coach. We're about to find out. We're about to find out. John says, I can remember sitting in the Grove in 2012 when Ole Miss had not won an SEC game in two years. I'll take this and appreciate it. And again, I mean, so far, the, the the staff members that have left have been replaced with guys that you can be really excited about. I mean, so just a lot of people need to just kind of step back off the ledge. You just had a historic season. Lane Kiffin's still your coach. He's still going to do a really good job at coaching your football team. Um, I've had people say, oh, they failed in the portal. Just because they didn't get Spencer Rattler? I mean, they've gotten two plug-and-play wide receivers and a plug-and-play safety so far in the portal. I mean, what are you talking about? They, they've done, oh, they've failed in the portal. What are you talking about? They got an SEC safety from Auburn, former four-star kid that's a plug-and-play guy, like right away, and two wide receivers that will probably start next year. What are you talking about? People are freaking out, man. I, I just don't understand it. 
Cal says in the SEC West, somebody has to be last. That doesn't mean they're a bad team. It's a really tough league, no doubt. And by the way, it's going to be Auburn. Hey, I will make that prediction. Right? I, I said this a few weeks ago, and I'm standing by it. Auburn will finish seventh in the SEC West this year. Auburn will finish seventh. Hold me to that. I mean, just whatever you got to do. If my predicted order of finish going into next season will be Auburn finishes seventh in the West. I think Brian Harson's going to be two and out at Auburn. Um, there you go. Chase says, next year, replacing arguably the best quarterback, talking about Ole Miss, uh, a plus-plus skill group, full-staff coaching turnover, and as down of an SEC West as there's been in a while, Kiffin drops an early game, and you bet the negative Nancys will be out in full force. Oh, no doubt. that you're, You already have people, Chase, saying that they overpaid for Lane Kiffin. That's why he's been to so many jobs. He can't win without better coaches helping him. Which, you, you know, the the him le- the the job hopping thing is true and also false at the same time because it's very clear that he did look around after two years at Ole Miss. So narrative confirmed. But let's be again. We need to be honest. The LSU job is a top five job conservatively in college football. Uh, they hired Notre Dame's sitting head coach, okay? That's a big-time desirable job. Um, but he only left one place after one here by his choice. The Raiders fired him. They shouldn't have hired him anyway, but he ended up being right about the draft pick anyway. But the Raiders fired him. USC fired him. He was at Alabama for a handful of years. was at FAU for three years. The job-hopping narrative is not exactly true, although he kind of kind of showed you that it was also at the same time but it, you're exactly right chase i mean uh, Ole miss could lose like to kentucky i think th- they play kentucky early next season um solid stable kentucky returning their quarterback in, in most people and if Ole miss loses that game it's all overpaid overpaid no 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 you didn't uh you're not going to win 10 games every year there's going to be a drop off there's going to be uh, it's just how far is the drop is it a houston nut drop where he goes four and eight and then two and ten or is it a Dan Mullen drop where he has a good season and still gets to a bowl game the next year? But yeah, Auburn's going to be last. Anyway, national championship game. Are you excited about it? Are you excited about this game? Because I'm going to be totally honest, guys. I will watch it. I will watch it. Yeah, and you're right. If Brian Kelly wins a national championship at LSU, it'll be the best job in the sport. Absolutely. The last four coaches winning a national championship, including, as you say, Ed Orgeron and Les Miles, if Brian Kelly pulls it off, it's the best job in college football because nobody has that level of consistency from its previous three coaches. Nobody. Not like LSU. It would be the best job in college football. Um, I agree with you completely. And as, as unlikable as Brian Kelly is, that guy can coach football. His record at Notre Dame speaks for itself. He can coach football. So I'm with you. But I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not into this game. I'm, I'm just not into this game. I'll watch it. Of course I will. And I'll talk about it with you guys a week from yesterday and, and all that. But there's just, there's a lacking energy with this for me. The the semifinal ratings, by the way, they came out yesterday. They were terrible. Just over 16 million. The worst pair of watched semifinal games in the college football playoff era. A lot of that, a whole lot of that has to do with the fact that it was on New Year's Eve, but the ratings, honestly, were going to be bad anyway. The Rose Bowl was watched by as many people as the college football playoff semifinal. And it's just, it's mind-blowing to me 
we talked about this on the radio some yesterday, so forgive me for being repetitive. Uh, it's just something that I do. I repeat myself a lot. Um, it's crazy how ESPN, for example, who who has the most college football that they air on their stations, right? It's the worldwide leader. How How much they ignore this. If I go to the front page of ESPN right now, so LSU and Kansas State played last night, right? Kind of a goofy game considering LSU's opt-out issues. But that game, I, I guarantee you this, that game last night was the most watched sporting event on television. All television last night. I, I promise you. Guarantee it. 100%. I promise you. Here's the front page of ESPN. LeBron closes out Kings with tough and one and some trash talk. Russ's rare zero turnover game sets tone for Lakers and win. Australian Prime Minister to Novak Djokovic, provide exemption or go home. Source, Mets set to hire Joey Cora as third base coach. Oilers star McDavid out after positive COVID test. Titans Dupree charged with assault after fight. Williams, latest sooner to hit transfer portal. Mayfield having surgery ASAP, won't play Sunday. Hurts, railing collapse could have been much worse. There is one college football story on the entire front page of the worldwide leader, none of which is related to the game last night that was watched by more people than any other sporting event. It's crazy how they can watch this happen, how they can see the Rose Bowl get 16 million people, the Sugar Bowl get 10 million people, Michigan, Michigan State during the season get 10 million people. The the sheer volume of people that watch college football that is not the playoff, and yet they ignore it. They don't even talk about it. LSU Kansas State should be on the front freaking page of the worldwide leader today because they aired the game and it was watched by more people than anybody else. What a story. LSU plays with 38 players, not even on the front page of the network that aired the game. They just completely ignore this and the playoffs are the worst college football product we offer. It's the worst part of the sport. Think about it. Look at the scores of the semifinals in the college football playoff era. Ohio State-Alabama was compelling back in the day in 2014, but it was a blowout. Uh, Georgia-Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl was one hell of a football game. That was a great game. One of the best ever played, considering the stakes. But look at all the other ones. The college football playoff semifinal has been terrible. Awful games, blowouts, not interesting, boring football. And they slap it sometimes on New Year's Eve for reasons I can't, I can't explain. I have no idea why they do it. They deserve a bad rating because um, New Year's Day is when people are hungover and not going to parties and stuff, not New Year's Eve. But anyway, it's crazy how they can watch all of these numbers and, and these games aired on their networks and the interest and then decide we're only going to focus on the playoff and the playoff routinely becomes the worst product that college football offers. It's the worst. It's the least exciting part of the sport is the playoff. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that the two playoff games that we had on New Year's Eve were more compelling than pick any week in college football, any week, and tell me that the playoffs were more compelling than any weekend of the year. They weren't. It's the worst product that college football offers. And now, and now they have... Alabama and Georgia again. Now Alabama and Georgia again. Clearly the best two teams. So, you know, that is accurate. That is right. It's the two best teams. 
But this sucks. And what sucks more about it, it's not Alabama and Georgia's fault that they're better than everybody else. It's not the playoff committee's fault that Alabama and Georgia were head and shoulders better than Michigan and Cincinnati or Notre Dame or Ohio State or whoever they could have put in there. We would have gotten to the same result. It's not their fault. But, man, the coverage of this sport is pathetic when you consider what this sport has to offer versus what they pretend like it has to offer. It's it's pathetic how they cover it. But Chase says, do you think that they put it on New Year's Eve because they knew it would be an inferior watch? No, they. so these are scheduled out in advance. Like going into this season, uh, before a game was even played, it was scheduled for New Year's Eve. It's just a really bad decision. That's all it is. It's just a terrible decision on their part. They make bad decisions. Uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's why the national championship game's on a Monday. Because what are you doing on a Monday night? Nothing. Are you going to parties? Are you going to a bar? Are you going to a fancy dinner with your, your husband or your wife? Are you group watching? Do you have stuff to do? No. Like little Timmy may have soccer practice, but you got nothing to do on Monday nights. And when you don't have anything to do, you are more likely to watch the football game. Why they, it, again, it, it's a mistake that they continue to make, and it's mind blowing because it literally costs them money. And you say, same reason the last couple of years they kept sticking Clemson at 11 o'clock every week. Keep that 31 to 3 in the second quarter versus Virginia off a of primetime slot. <laughs> oh, man. I, I feel like Clemson is regressing back to the mean. I don't know. I mean, questioning Dabo at this point, despite me really just being exhausted by his shtick drives me nuts. You're a $9 million football coach. Well, it's not about education anymore. Shut up. Oh, come on. Stop. Just stop. It's never been. That's why you make $9 million a year. Just stop. Despite that, questioning him and his coaching prowess is probably a stupid thing for me to do, but I kind of feel like Clemson's going to start regressing back to the mean. That's just me. But either way... um, People often ask, how do you fix it? And Chase, we don't need to get into this today. I just, I, I'm just i a supporter of playoff expansion, and, and mostly because we would have gotten the first-round playoff games without Alabama and without Georgia. You know? I mean, those teams are going to blow out somebody eventually, but at least we would have gotten playoff games that would have been compelling games. You know what I mean? We would have gotten... The, the Rose Bowl would have been a playoff game. Imagine that game and what it was with playoff stakes on it. Uh, that's what. That's why I support expansion, because you can have playoff games that are close, because right now we don't have them. That's why. It, it won't determine the champion any better, but at least we would get some semifinal games that are not like the BS we had to watch on New Year's Eve. You know what I mean? It's That's to me, at least will help some, but that won't fix the problem. I think it was Josh Pate that I saw earlier said, and he's exactly right, stop trying to fix a problem that will solve itself when Nick Saban retires. I think that's a very interesting thing because I think you guys agree with me on this, and Chase said it earlier, um, Nick Saban's not winning at the level that he's at because of Alabama. Alabama's winning at the level that they're winning at because of Nick Saban. After his first year, they've won double-digit games in every year since. That's not sustainable. Alabama's a great program. They have resources. They have money. They have fan support. They have all that. But a lot of people in the SEC do. Alabama has no more 
of those things than Georgia. No more of those things than LSU or Texas A&M or hell. I mean, Auburn's not far behind in terms of fan support and resources and, and money and stuff like that either. They're in the same state. Alabama, this dynasty, this monstrosity that has bored me to tears because you knew in the semifinal that Nick Saban's Alabama was going to beat the shit out of Cincinnati. You knew it. You knew that was coming. You knew it was. And it is, don't get me wrong, it is a great program set up for success. The next guy's going to win a lot too. But Nick Saban is on a pedestal of his own. He's on a different planet. He's the greatest coach to ever live. Let's not fix a problem that is only created by his existence. Because if Nick Saban is not at Alabama, Georgia's the best team in college football, yeah, and they probably win the championship with relative ease. But things feel like they come down back to reality a little bit, right? Without him, I think the dynamic of college football at least evens out a little bit. Uh, Not much, but when you remove the most dominating force in the sport, things have to fill that vacuum. And I think it would be multiple teams that would fill that vacuum. Again, Texas A&M just signed the number one recruiting class in in college football. Um, That was an interesting point. I'm not ready to go there yet. I think other things have to happen as well to really help with with this. Um, The NCAA needs to get off their ass with name, image, and likeness. I don't think get rid of it, but there has to be some kind of oversight and regulation that they actually, I don't know, uh, enforce. They've got millions and millions and millions of dollars maybe invest some of that in enforcing your your own rules i mean oklahoma straight up pitched an nil deal publicly to caleb williams that was never supposed to be allowed well shut that down do your job um also the transfer portal i think they're going to have windows like they do in recruiting where um this will really help bowl games as well just a, a thing that i was thinking of the other day you cannot enter the transfer portal until 24 hours after your team's final game Whenever that game is, whether it's the final game of the regular season and you don't make a bowl game or after the bowl game, that's when the transfer window begins. Or make it a set date. Do it January 10th. You have from January 10th until March 30th. That's your transfer window. And then have another one before the season begins. But no transfer portal during the season. Stuff like that would help just the overall feeling of the sport, but it won't help the problem at the top. I think it was Josh Payne. I feel like I feel bad if I'm giving credit to somebody that had an idea that um, that was not him. But I thought that was an interesting point. Don't try to change the sport because of one guy. Because when that one guy goes, the most dominating force in the sport will regress back to the mean. It's very good mean, great mean. Alabama's a great program, very attractive for the next guy, and they'll keep on winning. But I think they regress back to the mean sum. So we don't have to adjust too much to stop Alabama when Nick Saban is not going to be there forever. thought that was an interesting point. Either way, I'm, uh, I'm, and I, I'm, Kyle, I'm with you. I'd be excited if I were you too. I have Bama fatigue. Sorry, man. Hey, you, you've, you've won enough, all right? You guys have won enough for the rest of us, okay? Let somebody else have a turn. Um. Let somebody else have a turn. But uh, I have Alabama fatigue. It's the, been the most impressive run in the history of the sport. 
Uh, Nick Saban's unbelievable. And I respect the job he's done so much. And yeah, I know kids get Camaros or whatever, but the the way he's roster managed and developed talent and gotten them all to buy into his system, it's it's incredible. Hopefully it ends soon. Because <laughs> I think things will become a little bit more normalized once that happens. He's just too dominant. Just too dominant. Fireman says, yep, that portal rule would help a ton and even help coaches try and keep the numbers right for Scollies. Yeah, I don't like the fact that, I mean, I guess tampering happens regardless. It's going to happen. It's always happened. The people around this state that cried about tampering, it's amazing how many people can work in media in this state for as long as they do and pretend like they don't know how it works just for rivalry points. It's the damnedest thing. Uh, tampering's always been an issue. It will continue to be an issue. But I, I think it's especially egregious right now uh, where you've just got coaches calling players and talking to players at other schools all season long. That needs to be shut down. That needs to be shut down because you're spoiling one of the years of eligibility these kids have. I mean, you're you're letting other coaches get in the minds of players while they're in the middle of a season with somebody else. I can't stand that. Uh Make the portal closed during the season. Close it during the season and actually enforce tampering during the season strictly. That might help. And Sid, you're right. Alabama's thoughts are y'all just get better. Don't hate. I mean, what do you want us to do? We're not going to let you win. You wouldn't let us win. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sid, we are. Um, it, but no, not exclusively, though. Not exclusively. The one thing that the NIL era has done that makes me happy is it completely removes the, um, well, they're just cheating conversation. I mean, just if, if you cried cheating, you just look stupid now. You know? At least we have that. The, oh, they're cheating. Oh, our guys are good guys. They're, they're paying their players. That's over. Uh, that's That's over now. So thankfully for that, but a little adjusting, I think would help generally help the sport, but um, the dominance at the top is because of one guy, not be not necessarily because of the system, although the system does favor the rich. There's more programs that are capable than Alabama, yet Alabama continues to be what they are. Why is that? Nick Saban, when he goes, things will settle down a little bit. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I might start making some adjusting to the times of this. I got some interesting messages yesterday from somebody that uh, might do some adjusting here. We'll see. I'll let you know. I got to think on it some more. Um, but in the meantime, y'all be good. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.